Philippians. But look at Exodus chapter number 20 tonight, verse number 1. This is going to seem like an odd verse or odd verses to start with as we're looking at this idea of relationships. Look at verse number 1 of Exodus chapter number 20. If you're there, say hallelujah. Amen. Now, you do know tonight that hallelujah and hallelujah are both in your Bible, right? You know why both of those are there? Hallelujah tells us that Southerners are going to heaven. Hallelujah tells us some Northerners made it in too. Amen. <laughs> I learned that in Bible college. <laughs> Amen. Exodus chapter number 20, verse number one. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for this evening. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the promise of the far side. Uh, Lord, we know tonight, Lord, that it is, uh, Lord, more than just a geographical location, but Lord, it's the home, that eternal home that every saint, every believer, every born-again child of God, Lord, it's, it is our home. Lord, this world is not our home. Lord, this world is not my final resting place. This world is not my end all. Lord, I'm just a pilgrim passing through. But Lord, I'm thankful tonight for the promise of heaven because Lord, when this world goes crazy, I can still have joy in my heart, still have peace in my heart because I know I'm headed to a far better place, a place that is in the very presence of God. Lord, the sun's not even needed there. Lord, because you light up the place, Lord. And we just thank you tonight, Lord, that we have that promise. And I ask you, Lord, tonight that those that don't have that promise, Lord, that those who haven't believed on you, God, would you work in their hearts and draw them unto yourself. We ask you, Lord, this evening, God, as we get into this series and this study, God, would you help us, Lord, to understand, help us, Lord, to take the word of God literally, but, Lord, also how to apply it to our everyday life. We ask you, Lord, that you bless it, and God, use it for your glory. Grow our church, grow our people. God, grow, our, grow us spiritually, and God, continue, Lord, to draw people in. Lord, thank you for the visitors. God, thank you for those that return. Thank you for the members. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we'll give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, Exodus chapter number 20, like I said, it doesn't seem like a good starting place when it comes to relationships. And I'll explain to you why we started there. But you see, a preacher, why a series or why a study on our relationships or the relationships that we have in our life? Because realize this tonight, our lives are made up of relationships. Our lives are made up with how you and I relate and how you and I behave, how you and I act around one another, towards each other, and what we go through in life. And we've all heard the saying, it's not necessarily what you know, but who you know. And can I say that it was true in my life when it came time when I applied at the cabinet shop. I didn't get in because what I knew. I didn't get the job there because I was the most qualified. I got the job there because somebody put a good word in for me. And they said, that boy's got a big head. And he's, it's probably got a brain in it. And we might as well give him a try. Really, I got in there because of who my father-in-law was and because I knew Brother Mike Andrews. I didn't know those people. They would have looked at me and said, uh, we're looking for somebody else, son. And go back to flipping burgers. But sometimes it's not about what you know, but who you know. And really, our life is made up of relationships. Right, imagine life if you were the only person or you had no kind of relationships with people. Life would be boring. 
right? Life would be very lonely. Life wouldn't be what you and I are so accustomed to if we didn't have relationships. But over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some different relationships that every Christian may experience or go through at some point in their life. We'll look at the, uh, we'll, we'll learn how to strengthen the good ones, how to stop the bad ones. Can I say, I wish tonight I could say that every relationship you'll have in your Christian life as you live your life down here will be a good relationship. But how many of us know tonight that there's some relationships that form in our life that just aren't good ones, right? And they've got to be dealt with biblically and they've got to be dealt with correctly, but we also want to strengthen the good ones. The Bible says strengthen the things that remain, and so we want to strengthen the good ones. What, are the, what does the Bible say about these relationships? What are biblical examples of these relationships and how do we apply that to our everyday life in our relationships? We'll look at the relationships between a husband and a wife, between a, a, a parent and a child, a church and their pastor, a pastor and their church, uh, friends, jobs, employees. We all have relationships. But before we go anywhere on any other relationship, I think tonight we ought to start with the most important one. Well, preacher, what is the most important relationship in any Christian's life? That is our relationship with the Lord. There is no relationship that is greater or more important than our relationship with the Lord. I want to give you three reasons tonight why this relationship with the Lord is so important. Notice, number one, this evening that this relationship comes with some promises. This relationship comes with some promises. Now, most relationships that you and I build with people are built upon that which we promise to them and that which they promise to us. Think about this, when a man and a wife get married, they stand here before the preacher and the preacher says some words and he, he gives them some vows and they say those. They don't say them to the preacher necessarily, but they say them one to another. They, they vow some things to each other. They make their promise to their wife and the wife makes some promises to the husband. And so that relationship's built upon promises made one to another. I'll do my best and you'll do your best. Think about this, uh, there's a relationship between a parent and a child. A parent says, I promise to take care of you. And a child should say, I promise to obey you. I promise to submit to your authority and follow your leadership. And a parent ought to say, I promise to take care of you, to train you and to teach you in the loving admonition of the Lord, to, to encourage you and strengthen you and prepare you to go out into life. So they're built on these promises one for another. Do you realize this evening that even your relationship with your employer is built upon one person promising another person something else? You promise to show up on time. You promise to work hard or at least look like you're working hard. You promise to put in a good effort and they promise to pay you. It's built on what one person does for another. But here's the thing, if any of those relationships, if any of that gets out of balance, those relationships struggle. Those relationships can fall apart. Those relationships can crumble down. However, tonight, our relationship with Christ is not based off of what we promised to him, but what he's promised to us. What he's promised to give, in, to, give to us. Our relationship with Christ is based upon his promises he's made to us. Notice this, he promised us eternal life. Our relationship with Christ, when he, when we got saved by the grace of God, he promised us eternal life. 
First John 5, 12, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Why would God promise you and I eternal life if we became uh, a Christian or we got saved by his grace? Why would he promise? Because he wants an eternal relationship with us. He wants you and I, and he, he's promised us that if we would just by faith believe in him, not bring any promises to him, not tell him what we're going to do for him, but rather we accept what he's already done for us, he said, if you'll do that, I'll give you eternal life because I want an eternal relationship with you. And we realize tonight, that's one of those things when, when it comes to the doctrine of eternal security, I, I'm not gonna waver from it. I'm not gonna back down from it because that which I have tonight, the eternal life that I had tonight, I did not earn. God promised it to me and he also promised that which he's given to me, he will not take away. He will not remove out of my life. He promised eternal life. Notice this, he also promised his presence. Matthew 28, uh, verse number 20, Jesus is, is preparing to send back up to heaven. He calls his disciples in and he gives them that great commission. And then what does he tell them? Lo, I'm with you always. Now there's some that take that verse and, and, and they're joking, but they, they take it in, in that context and they say, that's why I don't get it on airplanes. Because the Bible says, lo, he's always with you. But can I say, the Lord wasn't talking about airplanes. He was telling his disciples that I will always be with you. So preacher, he ascended back into heaven. How is God still with us? Well, Jesus said, when I leave, I'll send the comforter to you. Who's the comforter? That's the Holy Spirit of God. That's who dwells inside of me and you tonight. That's the one who deals with our hearts. That's the one who, when we go to do wrong, he says that ain't right. And when we strive to live by the Spirit, he encourages us to do so. And so we always have the presence of God. Why? He promised it to us. He promised us eternal life. He promised us his presence. But notice this also tonight, he promised us his power. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number seven, the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power uh, may be of God and not of us. Well, preacher, why would God promise us his power? Because there's no other way to live the Christian life without it. You and I don't live the Christian life out of our ability and out of our own power, but we need God's power to live the Christian life. Our salvation isn't based upon what we promised to God, but rather what he's promised to us. Now, think about this. I don't know what it was. I don't know what you said when you got saved. I don't know how, uh, I mean, I know how if you got saved, you got saved biblically. But I, I don't know exactly every word for word that you said but when I got saved, I didn't promise God anything. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tell God, this is what I'm gonna do, this is how I'm gonna do it, because and, and, I knew I didn't have anything that impressed God. I knew that I didn't have any skill set that God uh, couldn't do without me. I understood tonight that God did not need me, but I sure did need him. But I'm thankful tonight that when I got saved, when that relationship began with God in my life, he promised me some things. Promised me his presence, his power, and all that wonderful stuff tonight. So notice number one, we see the, the promise of this relationship. But notice number two tonight, we see the priority of this relationship. The priority of this relationship. Look what he says there in verse number two. I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of... I did everything. You didn't walk out of Egypt by yourself. You didn't walk across the Red Sea because you knew how to part the ocean. You didn't walk out safely. You didn't put Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. I did. God said, I got you out of there. 
Look at verse number three. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The priority of this relationship. Now, we know, we, we read our Bibles, we know history, what it tells us in the word of God. We know that Israel began to stray and there was times where they would uh, make the molten calf and the molten images and they would go and bow down before these other gods. But can I say tonight, if you and I are gonna have a right relationship with God, right, we're gonna, he is gonna be, the, his, his, our relationship with him is gonna have to be the priority in our life. Think about it this way. We'll have many horizontal relationships, right? Relationships with people, relationships with our family, relationships with our employers, relationships with our friends. We have many horizontal relationships, but we only have one vertical relationship. And that is our relationship with God. And some people think it this way. In order for this relationship to be right, all these relationships have to be right. And so they work on these relationships in the hopes of getting this relationship right. Can I say tonight that's backwards? That's not how you live the Christian life. You need to make sure this relationship is right. And if this relationship is right between you and God, God will deal with these relationships here. God will show you how these relationships need to be. Because here's the thing, well, preacher, but I gotta get all these relationships right. Here, here's the thing about these relationships. You can only control one side of them. Right, you, you can do what is right, you can, you can do all that the Bible tells you to do, and you can express that to those people, but you cannot control how they react. And so we realize that when it comes to horizontal relationships, you and I can only do what we can do. But when it comes to this relationship, this relationship is right here between us and God, God will help you and I to get the rest of our relationships right. And that's how it's supposed to be in the Christian life. Notice here, well, preacher, how, what do you mean by priority? It must be your most invested relationship. Your most invested relationship. Look what God said, you also have no other gods before me. It's your most invested relationship. What do you mean, preacher? Nothing comes before it. Nothing comes in front of it. Nothing is before, well, preacher, what if? What, what about this, preacher? What if, what, what if this relationship is, is rocky? And what if this relationship has issues? And what if, what if I'm going through this? What if I'm going through that? Nothing needs to come before our relationship with God. Because the moment we put anything before God and we mess up this relationship, none of these other relationships are gonna work. You might have some that seem all right. You might have some that seem okay. But truth be told, if you and I aren't right with God, None of our other relationships are gonna work. I remember hearing a preacher preach and, and at first I was like, man, that's kind of bold. That's kind of, he almost sounds like he's bragging. But the reality is he was right. He said that if you wanna be the best husband, the best father, the best friend, the best worker, the best manager, the best whatever you fill in the blank, then you need to be right with God. Right, this relationship needs to be right. It needs to be our most invested relationship. Nothing comes before it and nothing goes above it. Right, no relationship you'll have this way will ever or should ever come before your relationship before God. And sometimes, that, uh, sometimes that's easier said than done. Sometimes we get our eyes uh, out of focus. We get our, our focus off, so to speak, and we, 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 we think, man, I've got to get this relationship fixed, and, I, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. But until we get this right, none of that other stuff's going to work. And so tonight, it needs to be your most invested relationship. But notice this as well, it needs to be your most intimate relationship. Your most intimate relationship. Now, I know we're in church and in 2022, if you say the word intimate, people are gonna go the wrong way. But listen to me tonight. It has to be your most intimate relationship. You know, how do we know Enoch had a good relationship with God? The Bible said Enoch walked with God. 
He had an intimate relationship with him. He, he knew where God was. And God knew where Enoch was. And they walked together. And then one day, Enoch, God just said, all right, come on home, Enoch. And, God, and Enoch was not. What about David? How do we know David had an intimate relationship with God? The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And I, I, mean, I can't think of anything more intimate than the heart. Right? I can't think of anything more, 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 more uh, precious than, than the heart. I'm not talking about the organ that beats, but I'm talking about the, the emotions of a person. You think about this, when, when you're dating somebody and you're, 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 you're trying to, to court them and you want to marry them, you want to win their heart, don't you? Boy, you want, you, you want to know them. Here, David was a man after God's own heart. Here's the thing. You can't know God's heart unless you have an intimate relationship with him, a personal, close relationship with him. In the night, Exodus chapter 20, the, the leader of the Israelites, Moses, he asked God for something that nobody else asked for. He said, God, let me see your glory. Here's the thing, what's interesting about that, Moses grew up in the house of Pharaoh. Moses had seen all that the world had to offer. You gotta realize when Moses was growing up in the house of Pharaoh, Pharaoh, uh, Egypt wasn't a, a fledgling nation with little means and little power. Egypt was the world power at that time. He's seen all the money, seen all the gold, all the lavish things. And the Bible said he left all that behind. And as he left that behind to follow God, he got to the place where he said, Lord, I've seen you part the Red Sea. I've seen you turn, uh, bring water out of the rock. I, I've seen you drop down the manna. I've seen you provide the, the meat. I've seen what you can do, Lord. He said, but I want to see your glory. I want to see a part of you. And I want to see something that nobody else has seen. Can I say tonight, if... We get our priorities right and our relationship with God is right. It'll be our most intimate relationship. Here's the thing tonight. God already knows everything about me and you. He's omniscient. He knows everything tonight. But preacher, how do I build an intimate relationship with God? Isn't just simply acknowledging, Lord, I know you know everything. It is you and I sharing it with him. Opening up our hearts to him. It must be our most invested relationship. It must be our most intimate relationship. And if we're going to have our priorities right, it must be our most important relationship. It must be our most important relationship. Think about it this way. If you get this wrong, you get everything else wrong. Right? But if you get this right, everything else has the potential to be right. And so we must realize that our relationship with God, and I'm not talking about just our generic relationship, I'm talking about our daily walk with God. It, most, it must be our most important relationship. And we realize tonight, what do we do with things that are important? We guard them. Right, I've got a safe at the house. And there's things in there that are important to us. And there's also things in there that I don't want getting out, amen? I, I, I want them just hanging out around the house and, and people just coming and picking them up and using them. And that's why I, I keep all my boomsticks, amen? If you know what I'm talking about, that's why I keep all the things that, that are protected by the Second Amendment, amen? And uh, they're, they're gonna come take them, they're gonna have to come take them, amen? And they're not gonna come get them easily. And we all fight about the Second Amendment, what about the Third Amendment? Most people don't even know what that one is. How many of you got soldiers courting up in your houses, amen? <laughs> I'll start a whole campaign. Save the Third Amendment, amen? But your most important relationship has to be your relationship with God. If you get that right, everything else 
will be right. God will help you with those things. God will get those other relationships right tonight. So let me ask you now, in your relationships in life, when you get up in the morning, which one's the first one you think about? Which, the first, which one is the first one that you think, all right, I got to get this right. I got to fix this. And I got to make sure that I, I have a time of prayer and all those kind of things. Is your relationship with God your most invested relationship? Is it your most intimate relationship? Is it your most important relationship? We realize tonight this relationship has some promises, but there's a priority to this relationship with God as well. But then notice number three tonight. We might get out of here. Probably not early. Uh, the practicality of this relationship. Tell you what, this time change. It's like it always sounds good. I'm going to get me an extra hour. And then it just messes you up for the rest of the day. And uh, when you have kids, there's no such thing as extra sleep. It just don't exist, amen? It just disappears. It, it just I don't, it goes into a vortex, never comes back. <laughs> we woke up at the same time this morning. It was just a different time when we woke up. And so we didn't get no extra sleep. We just had some extra time to get ready this morning. <laughs> and uh, we made it here, praise the Lord. But notice here the practice, but it's messed up Miss Silo's schedule. And so... Uh, and it's, that's just, we're, we're going to make it through, amen, you pray for us. But notice number three, the practicality of this relationship. How do we maintain our relationship with God? How do we strengthen our relationship with God? How do we grow our relationship with God? We go to Good News Club, and there's a song those kids love to sing, and every time we sing it, it grosses me out. <laughs> good News Club, it is, it is either really good <laughs> And now the kids are all behaving, or it's just, whoo. <laughs> There's things you see at the club you just can't unsee, amen. Kids licking their hands and rubbing it on their face. And just, whoa. <laughs> but Miss Rachel will lead the song, and we've sang it in, in children's church, and I don't have a problem singing it here, because I guess I think our floors here are clean. But there's a song, and it's, you know, <laughs> if you don't read your Bible and pray every day, you'll shrink, shrink. Shrink, right? And my shrinking stops about right here, right? That's as far as I'm going to shrink. Well, that sounds arrogant, doesn't it? <laughs> it's as far as I'm going to shrink. Boy, but them kids, oh, they are going to shrink. And them kids will shrink all the way down to the ground. To the, they're laying prostrate on the ground, rolling around in it and, and <laughs> you know, just licking it probably. <laughs> I'm thinking, and they'll sing that and I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> And it's just, it grosses me out, but they don't have no problem with it, amen? I, I mean, I was a kid once, but I just don't remember being like that. Uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I did things that gross people out, but it's just like, oh. But they shrink, 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 right? And then we say, well, how do we grow? You read your Bible and pray every day, right? And it's just a kid's song, but really there's truth behind that, right? How do you and I grow as a Christian? And, and we often think, man, this is difficult to figure out. How are we going to do this? Boy, this is mysterious. This is the mystery of God. How are, we, how are we going to grow in the Christian life? Well, God laid it out there from Exodus chapter 20. He said, hey, I'm the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You ought to obey me. You ought to follow me. And they said, well, what does that look like, Lord? So he laid it out for them. Look at verse number 12. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And you really could go up the other verse and eight. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and thou do all thy work. Go down to verse number 13, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt cover thy 
thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor. God said, you don't ought not to look at anything your neighbor's got and get mad because you don't have it. <laughs> the last time you looked at your neighbor's ox and said, boy, I wish I had one of them. Preacher, I don't struggle with that. When was the last time you looked at your neighbor's car and said, boy, I wish I could have one of them. When was the last time you looked at your neighbor's manservant and said, boy, I wish I could have one of them. When was the last time you walked by someone's manicured yard that somebody else takes care of for them. And you said, boy, I wish I could have somebody cut my grass for me. God said, yeah, whatever your neighbor's got, don't cover it, covet it. Why would God tell? That's a practical reality. How do we obey God? He said, hey, don't do these things and do these things. Right? And so the reality of the Christian life, how do we grow? By doing that which God has instructed us to do and not doing that which God has said, hey, don't do that. Right? Don't, don't do those things. We, we love to overcomplicate the Christian life. How do I grow? Well, you have to go into a deep season of prayer. And if you're not profusely sweating when you're done praying, then you haven't prayed. And you've got to read the entire Bible in 30 minutes or you won't grow. Right? We, we, I'm being, being funny tonight, but that's how we, we've mis, you know, made it mysterious. You can't grow in a Christian. But God said, no, just do what I told you to do and don't do what I told you not to do. And that's the truth of the Christian life. Well, how do we? Well, what are some things God has told us to do? Well, he told us to pray, to seek his face. When I say pray, I'm not just talking about reading the request but open up your heart. Now, when we pray in church, I understand why we, you know, we, we mention the requests that are made. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about when you're at home or when you're by yourself, it's you and the Lord, you're driving down the road and, 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 and you're, you're beginning to pray and if we're not careful, we become repetitious, we become routine and, and we say it maybe with the right heart, the right spirit, but there's, there's, it's just missing. One of the greatest instructions I was ever given in my Christian life was learn to talk to God like he's your friend. Because he is. He's, he's our friend tonight. Yes, he's a thrice holy God, but at the same time, he knows what you and I struggle with. He knows what we have. We mentioned earlier, and we ought to open our hearts to him tonight. Just, just in essence, just be real with him, amen? And just be honest with him. Be open with him. There was some things this week that I had to deal with, and I was, uh, and I, I was struggling with sleep, stressing over it, those kind of things, and I was laying in my bed, and I, I said, well, if I'm laying here, I might as well pray and tell the Lord what's in my heart. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I know what you want me to do. I know what you want me to say. But Lord, I don't see any good coming out of this. I don't see how any of this will be good. The Lord reminded me of the verse in Romans that it's not my job to work it for good. It's not my job to manufacture the good. It is my job to trust that which God has told me to do, he'll take it and make it a good situation. And so we realize tonight, if we're gonna, the practicality, how do we grow with personal prayer? But then also personal study. Personal study of what? The word of God. <laughs> I, love, I love being a pastor. I love raising my family. And uh, I love watching my kids be preacher's kids. Because my kids don't know, I mean, my kids understand how to play school. Their oldest cousin, well, their older cousin taught them how to do it. But if she hadn't taught them, they wouldn't know what school is. They'd never been in a classroom, right? They were, they're homeschooled. And so there's a lot of things that when they pretend, when they play and they pretend and they're, 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 they're doing those things, a lot of times they play church, right? And they, they pretend they're having a church service. And <laughs> other night, TR had me, had me cracked up laughing. He said, y'all, it's time for church. And so <laughs> his sister got in on it. And uh, 
we've got two lights in our kitchen, over our kitchen table, and Miss Raylan cut them off. And TR jumped up on the table. He had a, a bow tie on it. It was acrylic with leaves in it that his uh, aunt had given him. And he had his collared shirt on. He had his, you know, his, his khaki pants on. <laughs> and he had socks that showed every single one of his toes. <laughs> but then he said, all right. He said, Ray, turn the lights on. She turned them on. He said, well, thank you for being here tonight. Take your Bibles and turn to the blank pages, please. <laughs> and I said, oh, he's fixing to take this out of context. And uh, he preached. and <laughs> He preached on about being, follow him. He'll make you fishers of men. He said, all you got to do to get saved is to follow Jesus. I said, well, <laughs> you run away, well, son. And, uh, but we had a good time. But he was playing church. And then he started singing, uh, he'll make us fishers of men. And he finished preaching. And we got to chuckling and laughing. And uh, I sent it to Brother Ben Manley. And he said, me and Miss Chelsea was laughing at that. And uh, <laughs> Miss Chelsea said, I wonder where you learned that from. He said, that's probably how his daddy preaches. <laughs> and we just had a good time. But notice here tonight, what personal study. What does that mean, preacher? What does it mean? Well, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved. A workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. And we all, sometimes I got to ask, well, what does it mean to be approved, right? You've done that which is required of you. You've done that which is asked of you. And a lot of times we, 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 we uh, present the application this way. Have you studied enough to be approved? Well, what, how do you know? I mean, what's the, what's the amount of chapters? What's the amount of verses? What's the amount of books that one has to study in a day to be approved of God? And with no doubt, I don't think you'd ever spend too much time reading the Word of God unless it puts you in a dangerous situation. I wouldn't advise reading the Word of God as you're driving down the road. I wouldn't advise reading the Word of God while you're trying to cook dinner and take care of kids. It's just not the best atmosphere to do so. But oftentimes it's, well, how, how much is enough? And I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how much is enough, but I've come to find out in my life, I just read it until the Lord tells me and shows me from His Word what I need that day. And God will help us to study, to, to, to be approved of God. And oftentimes we think, well, well, I'm going to be approved of God. I've got to read the whole thing. God knows you and I. God knows our minds. God knows our, our inabilities and our, our faults and our failures. And he also knows our limitations. Right? And I don't think the Lord expects you and I to know absolutely everything in one day at one time. Or the Christian life would be a whole lot different. We'd get saved, read our Bibles one time, know everything, and go to heaven. But yet the Lord allows us through that personal relationship with him, that personal study through his word, he gives us that what we need for the day. Study to show thyself approved. How do you know God approves? When you get what you needed. God helps you through the day. So we have personal prayer, personal study, and then personal obedience. God lays it out here. He says, hey, do these things and don't do these things. And when they did those things that they were supposed to do and did not the things that they weren't supposed to do, God blessed it. God blessed them. God, God did those miraculous things for them. How do I know I'm growing as a Christian? How do I know what, what's something I can do to grow as a Christian? Well, yes, pray. Yes, read and study your Bible. But then that which God lays on your heart while you're praying and that which God shows you in his word as you're studying it, do it. Right? The Christian life boils down to you and I. Growing in the Christian life is learning to obey that which God has told us to do. Refrain from that which God has told us not to do. Because here's the thing, disobedience always causes strife. Think about it as a, as the relationship between a parent and a child. When that parent, or that, that parent, that child disobeys, right, it causes strife within the family. It causes issues that have to be disciplined and dealt with. But when obedience is, 
is shown and obedience is given and obedience is displayed. There's always growth and rewards with it. My aunt and uncle, I don't know how many dogs they have, but they're, I feel like they're constantly taking a dog to obedience school and having these dogs trained and, 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 and they use them in the hospitals as uh, comfort pets and all that kind of stuff for the, those that are in the hospitals. But they always have a dog and it seems like they always have a dog in obedience school and <laughs> I'm the exact opposite of them. None of my dogs are going to obedience school. Amen. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't have to pay that bill when they tear everything up. But here's what I found out. When the dog obeys, they always get a reward. There's always a, a, a treat involved, so to speak. But when that dog disobeys, it gets dealt with. Right, and it gets, it gets corrected. And the same is true in our Christian life. I'm not saying that when you and I obey, God's going to give you a doggy bone. What I am saying tonight is when you and I obey and we see God approve of it and God bless it, we'll grow in our Christian life. And it'll cause us to want to obey more. How do I grow in my Christian life? Pray, study. But then that which God tells you to do, that which God lays upon your heart, obey. Sometimes it'll seem silly. Sometimes it'll see, seem odd. Sometimes it'll seem like it doesn't really matter. But then when you realize, even when it seems silly, I'm going to do it anyways, God blesses it, God uses it for his glory, and God helps you to grow as a Christian. So if we're going to have every relationship right in our life. That's my desire. I want to have a right relationship with everybody. Right? And, and what does that look like? What does that, what does that sound like? What is that, what is that, uh, as, how is that portrayed in our life? We're going to learn that when we get this relationship right. right? If we have our, our relationship with God is right and where it needs to be, then we can begin to deal with the rest of those relationships. And so now as we get into this study in the next few weeks, I'm going to challenge you as, as between Sunday night and, and next Sunday night and, and really every day of your Christian life is to make sure the first relationship you focus on every day is your relationship with God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we